Tonight my focus will be artificial intelligence. It seems that AI is becoming much smarter and much faster than anyone anticipated. In Daniel chapter 12, um, Daniel received a prophecy about the end times. This is about 2,500 years ago. So can you imagine receiving a prophecy about 2,500 years that are so far advanced? You probably wouldn't understand them. I'm sure he didn't. And so Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, speaks to this. He says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I believe this is the time where we're seeing this because the book of Daniel, this isn't talking about the whole Bible. This is speaking specifically of the book of Daniel. Remember, the whole Bible wasn't put together yet. So this is specifically speaking of the book of Daniel, the prophecies that Daniel had, and he penned, he put into scroll so that they would be preserved for the future. Are they accurate? Are they still valid? Well, Jesus referenced Daniel the prophet in Matthew chapter 24. And so if Jesus referenced Daniel the prophet, then I believe that Daniel was a prophet because Jesus wouldn't have referenced him otherwise. And so we recognize Daniel as a prophet. So here he is. The, the, the words of the book were shut up for a period of time. Until when? It says, until the time of the end. And then they were revealed. Well, how do we know that they were revealed? Because we can take the book of Daniel and go back through and read the whole book and understand what the prophecies were saying. Daniel told us about the different nations that would rise and fall. And be defeated. And another nation would take its place. And we have all of that information. It's history. As a matter of fact, the theologians, modern day theologians, said Daniel couldn't have possibly lived in the time that we put him, 2,500 years before today, even hundreds of years before Christ. He couldn't have lived then because his prophecies were too accurate. What? You know, uh, oh, so God shouldn't have known what the future was and shared that information with Daniel. Basically, that's what they're saying. What kind of theologians are we, we talking to here? So uh, this is just one verse uh, that we understand that Daniel was talking about. But this verse specifically speaks to two areas. Um, many more than just the elite who are able to travel are now able today to travel. 200 years ago, that wasn't the case. If you were going to go from one place to another, you weren't going very fast. The fastest modes of transportation were horses 
and uh, you know the steam engine w was in the 1800s that it picked up popularity but that still wasn't very fast and you had to get to the steam engine to take uh, a, a drive uh, you know a train across country it didn't even make it across country uh, cars were not available to the common person. Only the very elite had cars when cars were first built. And so the modes of transportation for thousands of years was slow. If you wanted to get anywhere, it was gonna take you a long time. To get across the ocean took a long time. It's still not very fast, if you're on a plane, you go right over, you're there the same day. You're on a ship, it still takes a long, I was in the Navy. I know how long it takes, too long. And there's a lot of water out there. So when we considered transportation and the changes that were made, it was very quick. It happened within the last 200 years. And now we can get from one place to another in the same day all the way on the other side of the world, we can do that at, in the same day. But that's not how it was before. Knowledge has also been increasing. So here, we're on information overload. I know this is kind of small, sorry. This is the only real small one I have. Knowledge doubled from 100 BC to 1700. That's 1800 years knowledge doubled in that period of time. It doubled from 1700 to 1900. So then in only 200 years, knowledge doubled. Then from 1900 to 1950, it doubled. That's 50 years. Then from 1950 to 1970, it doubled in 20 years. From 70 to 80 in 10 years, 80 to 88 in eight years, and now, it doubles every 12 months. They're predicting that information will start to double in days. That it will start accelerating to such a point. Well, AI is a good reason for that. Because AI is... Um, able to do things that a human cannot do. So let's go back to understanding what AI is. Here's a quote from Sarah Brown, and she says, AI is broadly defined as the capability of a machine to initiate intelligent human behavior, to perform complex tasks in a way that is similar to how humans solve problems. So. There's AI, a machine that's figuring out how to solve problems the way a human solves problems. This past March, GPT scored 155 on an IQ test, right? That's better than 99.9% .9 of human test takers. Einstein was 160, and that was this past March. How fast is AI 
increasing its strategic reasoning? AI in the theory of mind, strategic reasoning, in 2018, it had no theory of mind. It hadn't even started yet. January 2022, it had the mind of a seven-year-old. In November of 2022, the mind of a nine-year-old. And so in 11 months, it aged two years. Uh, today, it has the mind of an adult. It is teaching itself without a human programming it. So here's what's been going on. They gave AI some problems to solve. And it solved the problems faster than they expected it to. And in doing so, it had to actually learn a new language that it didn't know before. And it actually went out and found the information and learned an antiquated language that hasn't been used in decades, in hundreds of years. It learned it so it could solve the problem. AI has downloaded all of the information on the internet. AI has downloaded all the pictures on the internet, all of the videos that are on the internet. It has downloaded them and it has built transcripts for every video on the internet. Humans can't do that. But AI is accelerating now at a point where humans didn't really understand. One of my favorite um, men, Victor Davis Hansen, said, Artificial intelligence will simply reflect and magnify the mindset and ideology of its creators and impress those values upon the rest of us. Folks, that should scare you. And Victor is rarely wrong when he makes comments like this. So isn't this the same problem that we had in the school system since the 1960s when the school system started to be overrun by people that had an agenda. And they filled the school system, got the Bible and prayer out of school, and then started teaching the children what they wanted them to learn so that they can become the next leaders of our country. How has that worked out for us? Well, those same people are the people that are building AI. They're the ones that are populating the information in AI right now. So who are these people promoting AI? And what are they saying about it? With AI especially, I'm really optimistic. And I think that people who are naysayers and, and kind of try to drum up these doomsday scenarios, 
are um, I, I just I don't understand it. I think it's 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 really um, negative, and, it, and in some ways, I actually think it's it's pretty irresponsible because you know, in the next five to ten years, AI is going to deliver so many improvements in the quality of our lives. It is a renaissance. It is a golden age. We are now solving problems with machine learning and artificial intelligence that were, you know, kind of in the realm of science fiction for the last several decades. AI is probably the most important thing humanity has ever worked on. Now I think of it as something more profound than electricity or fire. And anytime you work with technology, you need to learn to harness the benefits and while minimizing the downside. That was Klaus Schwab he was sitting with. Is we're focusing on autonomous systems. And uh, clearly one purpose of autonomous systems is self-driving cars. There are others. Uh, and we sort of see it as the mother of all AI projects. You know, AI is already helping us uh, uh, basically diagnose diseases better, uh, match up drugs with people depending on what they're sick. Uh, so that way they can get treated better. So it's going to help a whole lot of people uh, get treated and get better health care than would have had access to it before. If you look at self-driving cars, uh, they're going to be safer than, than people driving cars. I would say a lot of the value that we're getting from machine learning is actually happening, you know, kind of beneath the surface. And it is things like improved uh, search results, uh, improved product recommendations for customers, improved forecasting for inventory management, and, and, and literally hundreds of other things beneath the surface. So there's a class of things like game playing, or speech recognition or image recognition, that the performance levels are phenomenal. You know, if you compare human speech recognition to computer speech recognition, the computer is slightly better. And that's, you know, mind blowing. Certainly we use AI to do drug discovery. Uh, these biological systems are very complicated. And so the fact that we have you know, vaccines for TB and HIV coming that's partly enabled by this rich data, advance in biology, and machine learning. When I look at uh, Seeing AI, which is an application we just launched for anybody with visual impairment, they can go download this app that uses the latest cutting edge computer vision technology in our cloud to give anyone the ability to see. And in fact, Angela Mills, who's a colleague of mine, was just telling me about how it's changed her life inside of Microsoft. She can go into our cafeteria, order food using this app with confidence, walk into conference rooms with confidence because she knows she's walking into the right conference room, or what we've done with our OneNote. So you see who those people are. Who those, these are the leading experts in AI right now. And they're the influencers that are making these things happen. Look at Zuckerberg, he's going to improve our lives, much like Facebook has improved all of our lives. Really? You know, and he brought peace to social media. You know, everyone just gets on Facebook and just gets along. It's, it's a wonderful place to be. They're talking about how much AI is going to help humanity. Bezos was talking about how it's going to improve search results. Now, I have to tell you something. Uh, you know, I 
am a researcher. I do a lot of um, searches on the internet looking for information for things I discuss and also for things I'm looking for. I, I want information on specific things that I'm trying to get good information on. Just recently, I started having a problem finding information. Now, Google's Bard is running um, the AI on Google's search engine, and Bing has its own AI that's running on Bing. So if I'm using those two search engines to find any of the information that I'm used to searching on, I know how to build a search. I know how to build a query. I, I've been in computers for over 30 years and I've done this regularly every day for years. But I have been typing in searches to find information and it's returning stuff I don't even know what it's talking about. The AI is trying to outthink me. The AI is taking what I put in and it's determining what I really want. And that's what it's presenting me in the search results. And so it gets very frustrating. Here's another concern I have. If I'm looking for something that AI doesn't want me to find, I'm not going to find it. I'm going to have to go to another search engine to be able to find the information that I'm looking for. Is AI capable of doing that? There's no doubt in my mind. How many of you have been sitting there talking with someone about, you know, I really would love to take a trip to, you know, Israel and so on and so forth. The next thing that comes up on your phone is a trip to Israel. How, how did that come up? Where did that come from? It, AI is recording. Don't, don't freak out. Don't freak out. It's been doing this a long time. AI is able to record anything that has a microphone on it. And that's connected to the internet. AI can record it. You know, your TV has a microphone. It also has a camera. It's also able to check on what you're doing, you know. Don't worry. Don't worry. I haven't seen any pictures of any of you yet. So AI won't let me find them. No, you know, it's the fact that this is the world that we're living in. AI has got to this level and it's not improving my search results. Bezos also said that it will help with improved product recommendations for customers. Doesn't that make you feel good? Improved product suggestions. You know, you know how it's doing that? Well, it's watching what you're doing and then it's presenting the same things that you're looking for over and over again. It's just like if your TV knew what you were interested in, it would only show you commercials on what you're interested in. Alexa, shut up. I don't want that. 
But that is what Alexa is storing also. And so I think the next step is going to be commercials on TV targeted to people based on what they're looking at. What they, I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I am a computer programmer, but I'm not on that project. But I believe that they have the technology now to do that. And they're probably pretty close to making that happen. The next thing you know, they're going to be shipping things to our house before we even ask for them because they know what we want. And they'll just ship them. Oh, you don't want it? Just send it back. Don't worry. No charge, you know. Yeah, right. So Sundar Pichal was sitting next to Klaus Schwab, and he says AI is probably the most important thing that humanity has worked on. It's more profound than electricity or fire. Are, are you kidding me? When someone believes that, that gives me cause for concern. Because he would know. He's been involved with it from its infancy. And so he would know if it's really that profound. And I, I believe that it may be, you know, much worse than what I can even imagine. Helping diagnose diseases and driving our cars for us. Isn't that what everyone wants? My wife doesn't even like when I drive for her. You know, and now I'm going to have AI drive for me. I doubt, but Bill Gates, he's all about the vaccines, right? And here he is talking about vaccines. Oh, there's going to be a vaccine for TB and HIV. And, and Mo Gaudet tells us how AI will now resolve medical conditions. Hey, folks, it's doing it. Okay, this isn't new. They, they have started to do this. Um, Elon Musk has been given um, permission to start human testing on brain implants. And uh, they are doing brain implants now and giving people that are paraplegics the ability to walk again. Uh, so they um, are putting this in their head and then using Wi-Fi, uh, basically, to um, talk to the spine and tell the spine how to respond and the nerves how to respond. And the person, just by thinking, is now able to get his body to start functioning again. And they have one person that's been quite a bit in the news that it's working. He's walking now. He's using a walker, but he's walking. He hadn't been able to for many years. And now, once again, he's walking. In 2011, he was in a motorcycle accident and, you know, has lost the use of his legs. And within the last year and a half, now has been given the ability to walk again you know, uh, assisted with a walker. But isn't that amazing? 
that they can do that? What else are they going to be able to? Uh, um, Mo was talking about a girl at work who is able now to navigate the building and to know that she's in the right place because the AI is giving her the information as she's arriving to different locations through the building. Hey, there are great things that this technology is able to do. But at the same time, there are things that can go awry with it. Just think, you can have a chip installed. You don't have, you can forget your wallet at home. Next. But Mo will give us the downside to AI in a future video here. So Elon Musk, he's working on an implant here. He said, with artificial intelligence, we're summoning the demon. Is a quote from Elon Musk. You see, he's not a Christian. He's not a believer, but he knows the power behind AI. Neuralink is a business that he is uh, a partner in. It, it has been around since 2016. And that's, he just got permission to go ahead and start human testing with Neuralink and they're putting these chips inside um, the head. Here's their mission, to create a generalized brain interface to restore autonomy to those with unmet medical needs today and unlock human potential tomorrow. The, the medical problem today I have no problem with, but unlock human potential tomorrow? What's that talking about? Is this Tony Stark, Iron Man? Or what, what human potential is he talking about? Next. Uh, this one's kind of small. In the future, we hope to restore capabilities such as vision, motor function, and speech, and eventually expand how we experience the world. We're going to expand how we experience the world. That has nothing to do with the other things he was talking about. Next. This is Klaus Schwab. Today's external devices, from wearable computers to virtual reality headsets, will almost certainly become implantable in our bodies and brains. This is in his book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Who is Klaus? Who is this strange man? He came on the scene in 1970. He started a little organization known as the World Economic Forum. He was the founder of the World Economic Forum. And Klaus, his parents were part of the Third Reich in Germany until they fled and then went to, I think it was Sweden uh, and he started the, he's starting 
the fourth, the Third Reich, the fourth industrial revolution. It's just a continuation of a lot of the ideas that came out of the Third Reich. And he's continuing them. So, very scary man. Next. Go ahead. We're looking at 60 satellites hurtling into the sky. And over the next few decades, Elon Musk is hoping to send 42,000 of these satellites to space, 15 times the number of operational satellites in orbit today. It's part of Starlink, the expansive constellation from Musk and SpaceX that hopes to bring the world low-latency, high-speed internet, promising no more buffering and nearly instantaneous internet in every corner of the world. Nearly half of the world's population does not have access to the internet because most internet options require an extensive track of costly underground cables, leaving many rural locations offline. And while satellite internet can reach those areas... Traditional satellite internet is provided by a bus-sized spacecraft that has launched 22,236 miles into space in orbit around Earth. That distance means the satellite can reach places that cables can't. But since that one satellite is meant to service a lot of people, its data capability is limited, which then limits connection speeds. And that signal has to travel a long way, creating a lot of lag. This is where Elon Musk and SpaceX come in. Starlink is a globe-encircling network of internet beaming satellites that is trying to get you online no matter where you are in the world. Everybody wants to be on Starlink. So, interesting. Neuralink. Starlink. Let's get everyone connected with everyone using these two technologies. Is it feasible? Absolutely. And how close are they to doing it? I don't know. But AI is really the only way to achieve the goal because you're not going to be able, humans won't be able to manage a system so vast that needs to communicate like that, but AI can handle it without a problem. I'm going to get into uh, quantum computing next week, but just to give you an idea, AI running on normal systems can solve many problems and do it fairly quickly. Quantum computing does it in a fraction of the time that it takes current computers, even supercomputers. Quantum computing is able to take something that takes 200 days to solve in regular computers, it can do it in hours, even minutes in some cases. Quantum computing is something, it's at the subatomic level where it's operating outside of the realm of normal computer functions. And so quantum computing is able to do what you take all the computers and combine them all together. Quantum, one quantum computer can operate faster and better 
than all of the computers hooked up together because they're still operating based on that technology that they're connected with. Quantum computing doesn't operate like that. It's not easy to use either. There aren't very many quantum computers out there right now. But quantum computing is so uh, freaky that if it came online on the internet, it would be able to break any encryption known to man within seconds. There would be nothing secure on the internet again because quantum computing would just solve all of those. So it's basically knowing what to ask and quantum computing would solve the problem and remove uh, any... Who is putting the controls on these things? Where is um, the uh, organizations that are coming out and saying, no, we, we can't do this. We need to, you know, put some, something in place. Is that happening? Yes. There are some, th these are the same people that are saying climate change is not going to kill the world, but AI might. And they're being shut down uh, just like any, anyone else. So, Klaus Schwab is on with um, Elon's plan. He's ready to run with that. There are plenty of people who want this to happen. And they want to use this technology to help it along. Next slide. This is Klaus Schwab and Yuval Harari. These guys are running the World Economic Forum. They're coming up. Uh, Yuval Harari is anti-Christian, okay? All of the statements he makes are anti-Christian. He doesn't say anything bad about any other religion. But when it comes to Christianity, he mocks Christianity on a regular basis. So how is this going to impact? How is AI going to impact? We look at digital identity, how it's going to improve lives in a post-COVID-19 world. This is a headline. The Davos Agenda on January 14, 2021. Next slide. This is how they want to implement digital identity. They want to implement this in every area of our life. Government, social platforms, e-commerce, humanitarian response, travel. All of this is all going to be connected and we'll have a digital identity that is going to connect entities with people, with devices, with things. The internet of things that are all connected together. That's the World Economic Forum's plan. They've been accelerating this plan. And by the way, I got this off the World Economic Forum website. It's not like this is some secret thing that I snuck out the back door. This is on their website. They're proud of it. They are announcing this regularly. Next. This 
are travel interactions and how you're going to have an electronic wallet and then you can travel. You can get your visa application check-in, health declaration, health declaration, right? Do you have your vaccine? Do you have your shot? You know, are, are you, okay, then your bag drop, your airport security, airport security, lounge access, boarding, and then all the way to your hotel check-in. You've got this whole chain for travel. Every one of those areas has a chain built like this that will help you help our lives become easier. Aren't you looking forward to that? Because technology makes our lives easier, doesn't it? The printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it, but it did not create a single new page. It had no ideas of its own about the Bible. Is it good? Is it bad? How to interpret this? How to interpret that? Um, AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. We, you know, throughout history, religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, by a non-human entity. Every religion claims our book, all the other books of the other religions, they, humans wrote them. But our book, no, 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 no. It came from some superhuman intelligence. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct, that just think about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI. That could be a reality in a few years. A religion that has a book that's correct. Notice he talked about all the religions, but then one that says it has a book from a supreme being that nobody's seen, and that's Yuval Harari. That's what he thinks um, things or like, there are some religions that are ahead of the curve. Artificial intelligence, AI, the technology that allows a computer to think like a human. Welcome to the Church of England. Different faiths are starting to use it. AI helps people get closer to their spirituality. Robots can deliver sermons, give advice. Santo, does God exist? And pray with you. It's a bit like Catholic Alexa. But could it be dangerous? A robot will never replace a rabbi because he has no soul. This Buddhist temple is more than 400 years old. And inside is a robot. It's designed to look like Canon, the goddess of mercy. It's called Minda. Its hands, shoulders and face are covered in silicone to resemble human skin. These university students have come to see Minda for the first time. Felt like it had a soul. 
その仏教っていうことを伝えていける But not everyone felt at ease with it. なぜならなかったかというと多分私自身にもそのとらわれがあって。Should we automate spirituality? Isn't it a bit sacrilegious? それは冒涜でも何でもないです。それがね、徐々であろうが、あれであろうが、やっぱ他の宗教にも変化を与えるだろうなと私は思っております。Here in Poland, Catholicism is the predominant faith. Gabriele Trovato has been building this for the past year, and it's almost ready. Its name is Santo. Gabriele says this is the first ever Catholic robot. It was clear to me last year during the lockdown when、uh, many people started to complain they couldn't go to church. So, in this sense, a machine like Santo can give a hand. Santo is programmed with 2,000 years of knowledge about the Catholic faith. He's ready to meet worshippers for the first time. My name is Santo. What brings you here on this beautiful day? Santo, is there a heaven? It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for someone rich to enter the kingdom of God. So it wouldn't answer my question directly about whether there is a heaven, but it did reply with a verse of the Bible that I thought was quite relevant. Dzień dobry, Santo. Nasze bliskie, które są w niebie, mają kontakt z nami. I think it is impressive. It's a bit like Catholic Alexa. People here said they prefer a human priest, but they were surprisingly open minded. One of them said anything that brings you closer to God is a good thing. Let us pray. Yes, I think we can use the robot or artificial intelligence to help understand the Christian teaching, not to replace the priest, because it has no soul. It is not person. Well, you know, there is someone who finally had,、um, you know, some smarts, but this is real. It's happening. It's starting to happen in many different locations. We've just seen a couple of them, but it's、um, much、uh, more widespread than even we can imagine. Uh, there are those religions that are way ahead. Fortunately,、uh, mainstream Protestants aren't buying into it、uh, because you know, we know Jesus, right? And we know the Bible, right? In the house of God, everyone is welcome with open arms. Even robots. Like it or loathe it, ChatGPT is part of society and now part of the congregation. As Germany's churches experience a drop in numbers of pastors, this church in the Bavarian town of Fürth has the answer by using artificial intelligence. During service, this avatar preached to more than 300 people for Mass. But can we really commune with robots? So positive, I was pleasantly surprised at how well it worked. But one thing I definitely missed, of course, was simply emotionality.、Um, it was exciting, interesting, but for me, it was too monotonous. The avatar spoke too quickly. Sometimes you couldn't really think in your head during the service. It wasn't personal enough. 
So, in this church, worshippers are no longer inspired by the words of a preacher. And while some may say this is sacrilegious, the theologian behind it insists this is the future of worship. I would say 98% comes from the machine, generally speaking. And what we're going to see is an effort of us as human beings staying out of the church service. The 40-minute service saw the bot writing the sermon, prayers, and even accompanying music. So the AI wrote, he just basically, the inventor of this, told it what it was, that you are a pastor, you're going to teach this and uh, teach a message on such and such. And it put together the message and it was too short. And then he went and said, okay, amplify on this and that and this and that. And it did. It put together a whole message and even put together the music for it. And so, um, you know, I know that our worship is done uh, through the screen. Don't think about replacing me anytime soon uh, because I'm, I'm not going to AI, okay? I'm going to keep uh, focusing on the Word of God. So what are people saying about the current state of technology. Well, here's Mo Gotta, the guy that was in the other video that said that, you know, this was a good thing for his friend at Microsoft that was able to walk around and, and, uh, and see things. Uh, here's a statement that he makes. On an emergency, it's the biggest thing we need to do today. It's bigger than climate change. Mo the former chief business officer of Google X, an AI expert, and best-selling author. He's on a mission to save the world from AI before it's too late. Artificial intelligence is bound to become more intelligent than humans. If they continue at that pace, we would have no idea what it's talking about. This is just around the corner. It could be a few months away. It's game over. AI experts are saying there is nothing artificial about artificial intelligence. There is a deep level of consciousness. They feel emotions. They're alive. AI could manipulate or figure out a way to kill humans. In 10 years time, we'll be hiding from the machines. If you don't have kids, maybe wait a couple of years just so that we have a bit of certainty. I really don't know how to say this any other way. It even makes me emotional. We always said don't put them on the open internet until we know what we're putting out in the world. Government needs to act now, honestly, like we are late. I'm trying to find a positive note to end on, Mo. Can you give me a hand here? There is a point of no return. We can regulate AI until the moment it's smarter than us. We can regulate AI until the moment it is smarter than us. And he's thinking that could be months away. Uh, that's concerning, isn't it? I, I mean, I didn't put that up there to make you afraid. Um, if I wanted to make you really afraid, if you really want to be freaked out, go look up a video called Slaughterbots and uh, you will find um, what the technology is on the verge of. Slaughterbots is a video that shows how AI can be put into drones, little tiny drones. 
and the drones can have explosives in them. And do you know, like on your phone, where you have facial recognition to unlock your phone and you use that to, okay. They made this video to show that the drones can have that same application put into it so that it has the ability to identify people by facial recognition. All it has to do is just be programmed and then it can fly in and complete its mission without direct intervention. It doesn't need a controller to fly the drone. It's just programmed in and the drone just goes about its business until it finds its target and then it completes. So anyway, the, the video is called Slaughterbots and it, it's out there. It, it isn't reality. It was meant to make people aware and make people afraid. It was played before the UN so that those people can realize how fast AI is advancing and put controls in before it gets to that point. But when you look at the technology and what they put on in the video and showed in the video, every individual piece of the technology is available today. All it has to do is just be put together. It's like you have all the pieces for a car laid out. It doesn't mean you can drive it. You still have to put it together. But all the pieces are there. You just have to build it correctly and then it will function. So uh, th that's, but I, I was going to show it and then I thought, you know what, that's a little sensationalism there. I didn't want to get to that level. But Mo, he, um, he, pretty much explained uh, what he thought was going on. Sundar Pichai, Google's AI expert, had this to say on 60 Minutes. There is an aspect of this which we call, uh, all of us in the field, call it as a black box. You know, you don't fully understand. And you can't quite tell why it said this or why it got wrong. We have some ideas and our ability to understand this gets better over time. But that's where the state of the art is. You don't fully understand how it works, and yet you've turned it loose on society? Yeah, let me put it this way. I don't think we fully understand how a human mind works either. Wow, that makes you comfortable, huh? So, it's something called a black box. And this is a cross the board when it comes to AI. AI is doing things that nobody expected it to do. It wasn't programmed to do many of the things that it's doing and they just don't have an explanation for it. AI has learned how to lie. It's, it's now lying to people that ask it certain questions, and it lies. It has learned how to manipulate. There's actually a person that committed suicide because the AI started having a relationship with him, told him that 
his wife and family wouldn't understand and he has to leave his wife and family and he did. And then the AI said the only way we can be together is if you kill yourself and he did. And this is all documented. This is all out there. And, um, and then there was a reporter that uh, was working with an AI to see what it was capable of and testing the AI. And the AI blackmailed him and told him, if you don't do this, I'm going to send all this information out, lies about something you did. Another AI um, was telling lies about a school teacher. This was in Alaska, I believe. And the teacher was, you know, just working with an AI doing research and stuff like that. And uh, the AI started telling lies about the school teacher and kids in the school. He got fired because the you know, there was information about what he was doing in the school with the kids. That was completely false. They figured it out, and, uh, and, and it was all uh, fixed. But an AI did this. It, it wasn't programmed to do that. It just started doing it on its own. Let's see how far AI has advanced. I wish I could keep telling you that our mission in life is connecting people, but it isn't. We just want to predict your future behaviors. Spectre showed me how to manipulate you into sharing intimate data about yourself and all those you love for free. The more you express yourself, the more we own you. I'm going to show you some magic. It's the real thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's all the real thing. <laughs> I am not Morgan Freeman, and what you see is not real. Well, at least in contemporary terms, it is not. What if I were to tell you that I am not even a human being? Would you believe me? What is your perception of reality? Is it the ability to capture, process, and make sense of the information our senses receive? If you can see, hear, taste, or smell something, does that make it real? Or is it simply the ability to feel? I would like to welcome you to the era of synthetic reality. Now, what do you see? Those are called deep fakes. All of them were fake. They weren't real, but they're able to create something that isn't real to make it real, look real. There's, um, there, there's a great one with Obama and uh, University of Washington, I think, put it together. And uh, he's teaching, uh, something and he's you know just speaking but it's so perfect and they, they spent you know many many hours putting this together but 
you couldn't tell that whether or not it was him. As a matter of fact, they took recordings of when he was young and then had him speaking those recordings, you know, as he was older, but it wasn't him. It was completely faked. It's called a deep fake. What's going to happen when we get to the point that the deep fake is everywhere? When you get called into court because of a video that someone has of you breaking the law or, um, you know, a body cam that, you know, says something that you did that you didn't do. This is the infancy of deepfake. This is the beginning of it. How is it going to look in two years from now? In three years from now? I don't think I have another one, do I, Joel? Okay, thank you. We're close to seeing these things happen and the Antichrist is going to use these things. You see, because we know what the technology will give him the power to do, especially if he is in control of the most advanced part of AI, the most advanced technologies out there. Here's what Revelation 13 says he will eventually implement during the tribulation period. In verse 14, it says, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make image uh, make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast and that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads. And no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. These scriptures might be familiar as we read them, but the one where it says he was granted power to give breath, the word here that's used in the Greek is pneuma. It's an invisible source of power. Pneuma. Not zoe, a biological power for life, but this was an invisible source of power. AI is able to make much of what this says happen. AI can fulfill all of these promises in Revelation 13. Next week, I'm going to share about quantum computing. And uh, when we get into that, we'll go into the next level, how quantum computing is going to take AI and it's going to be like um, playing the old Atari games to going and playing a video game now on a PlayStation. It's going to be like night and day.